Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I am joined as always by Armani Buckets and Brandon Deutsch. Guys, how are you doing on this wonderful funeral Monday? Oh my goodness, that's how you're going to start it, Jihei. My goodness. Well, um, if it is a funeral Monday, you know, I, I do want to applaud what the Lakers have done this season. I don't think that it should be unnoted. But at the same time, I am a, of the mindset that it's championship or bust. And the fact that they got to the Final Four and that I picked them to win the title when they got to the Final Four, um, it is disappointing. And it's okay to say it's disappointing. Um, but how do you feel, Brandon? Look, I think that the teams remaining, they have they have moxie and they just want it more. It's like, okay, are you, who's going to be giving, you know, who's going to gasp for their last breath to survive and go find food in the jungle if they're all stranded? And it's like, who would you, and it's like Miami. That's the team number one. That That's who's probably going to win it all. I hate to say it. I mean, they just got dogs. They got undrafted players. I think the Lakers are are elitists. I really do. I think they expect to win. I think Davis is kind of soft. He was the first overall pick. I hate to say it. I think he's a great player. And I hope I'm wrong. And I hope one day he proves me wrong and lives up to his talent and wins an MVP because he's one of the greatest players to, way, to ever play the game. I think LeBron has a little bit of that dog in him. One of the only guys to ever live up to really expectations. But he's old. There's not everything he can do. And Reeves, of course, has it in Rui. But then you got D'Angelo Russell, arguably one of the softest players in the league um you know and i hate to say it because i hate i hate i I like him and how he's matured as a person off the court but it's like and i i appreciate what he did in the previous couple of series is helping us win a couple big games but darvin ham vegas made the call for them to get swept i i don't i can't believe darvin ham kept him in that game it was no surprise that when he took him out in the second quarter the lakers went on a 20 to 6 run to get back in the game right and then they put put him back in for the second half and i was like what are you doing and then puts him back in the fourth quarter and then they go on that run again and it's like the lakers want to lose i why would i go you know as fans why would we go watch this team if they want to go lose i might not even watch the game tonight to be honest with you <laughs> oh, no. it's gonna happen i know it's gonna happen i'm sorry unless i see some moxie out of like like they should be ashamed of themselves straight up i know they 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 all this all this work to get here just to the to do this and the nuggets credit to them they can't miss shots they're playing great basketball but it's like get one game at least man get one 
at least give yourself an opportunity to pull off an upset in Denver, in my opinion. But it's not going to happen. I expect a sweep. By the way, before I let you guys go, I was wrong about every series this year. I had Memphis and six for the Lakers. Memphis and six. I had Warriors and seven, both wrong. And then I, when I picked the Lakers, I should have known they were going to lose if I picked the Lakers. I should have said Nuggets and six, but I picked Lakers and six. And obviously, it's going to be Nuggets and four or five, the very least. Now, by the way, scenario: if the Lakers somehow find a way to win the next two games, they could very well win the series. But I don't see that happening. It starts the night; they're going to lose. I was also wrong each uh, round with the Lakers. I had Memphis, Golden State, and then I had the Lakers in five. So, yeah, I'm I'm very surprised by this result. But touching on the D'Angelo uh, Russell subject real quick, I, I think that Laker fans sometimes don't realize what they are capable of doing to these players. Be, um, you know, Frank Vogel as a coach, Russell Westbrook as a player, before that, Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green, they can zap a player's confidence by just scapegoating the heck out of them. And we're seeing it again with D'Lo. It's really hard to play on an NBA stage in front of that crowd when you are the reason why we are losing and they keep blaming him and stuff. And I think the reason why they're keeping him in these games is more the politics of basketball because if you piss off D'Angelo Russell and you can't use him as an asset in the offseason, if he decides to leave in free agency, then what happens? You lose him and you can't replace him because you don't have cap space. So I think they're trying to keep him as happy as possible so that they can maybe use him in a side-in trade or re-sign him and then look to trade him in the future. But yeah, it's it's hard to see, you know, the fans consistently have done this and it's, you know, they did it with Westbrook. Now they're doing it with Russell. Um, I get it. You want to find somebody to blame, but I just think that the what we learned about this Laker team, and Jihei, you can chime in on this, the number one defense in the league, and we've talked about how, the league, how are you a number one defense if any player can drop 30 on you in a half? That is not a true elite defense. You don't have a shutdown player, and if it's Vanderbilt, he's not really that because he can't play offense. So it's really five on four. You have a lot of needs going into the offseason. We'll see how they address it. Jihei, what do you think about their defense? What defense? Oh, man. <laughs> no, no, she's right. She's right. I, I, mean, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the problem, right, with, the, with this Lakers team is that that's what we were expecting, right? We were expecting a, a shutdown kind of shutdown kind of defense. But I also said this in the very beginning of the series. What did I say? I said, who's going to guard the Joker. I said, who's going to guard the Joker? Rui did a great job for the short amount of time that he did that, that he was guarding um, Jokic. But after that, like, what do you have? Because that guy can do everything, right? Not only can he shoot, not only can he posterize you down low, but he can also pass that, that ball. And this team is doing stuff where not only are they hot from the three, but they're dashing to, the, um, to get to the rim as well. And he's able to make those crazy passes because he just imagine if that guy was in shape like imagine if he had a lebron body like you guys would be getting smoked like smoked like you think you're getting you think it's bad now like it'd be even worse if he was in shape so i mean i yeah i don't know where the defense is i don't know if they can i hope that they can pop out um does anybody know how much uh denver's favored by today i think lakers are not favored the lakers are favored by three 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which wow. I think is, by the way, a couple of stats to put out there. I, I post this in the chat. Lakers in the history of the franchise franchise are 0-8, um, down 0-3 into a game four. So they've been swept every single time. They're down 0-3 in a series. Um, I expect that to happen again. I think another thing, look, I you know I'm a big analytics guy. And the Lakers should have been favored in this series, in my opinion, because of their defense going into it. But analytics can't describe everything. It's like the Celtics and the Heat. The Heat just want it more. You can't, you, analytics cannot uh, dictate and determine Moxie who wants it more. You know, like that, at the end of the day, it, it can't do it. Jimmy Butler wants a ring. Like the Miami Heat, they've got a bunch of undrafted players that built themselves from nothing. Uh, and by the way, Lakers, a lot of, lot of the year were seen as underdogs and felt like underdogs. And they actually played decent against Denver. They just couldn't close it out. Um, you know, so I, that's one thing that can't be, can't be, um, you know, Odd. questioned by opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and I, I agree think, with you. I mean, I love, I love Miami how they're looking. I mean, Jimmy Butler's looking like twenty twenty Jimmy Butler, where he went off. What was it, Game Four against the Lakers during that that series during that championship run? Um, unfortunately, it got gentlemanly swept. But um, I can still see the Lakers like winning at least this one. I know you guys are, are like on the doomsday clock and everything for them. I see them like at least not getting swept. Um, no, they're going to lay down. They're going to so get. Swept. Here's, here's my here's my thing is that like that's a Lakers stat. That's not a LeBron stat. Lebr- LeBron's never got. I mean, I think with the exception of his rookie year, with his rookie year, right? Twenty his rookie year no, was not his rookie year, but his fourth year, like his, his first yeah, time in in the playoffs. The finals. Yeah, that that was when I think he got swept. But other than that, guys, like he hasn't really look back right his his stats aren't horrible when it like he hasn't gotten swept since so i i think that i think you'll at least get one game in if if it doesn't happen then it doesn't happen i mean i don't think denver's gonna not win the this series they're not gonna win the western conference finals like it's inevitable but at least i think the lakers will delay it today tonight it's very possible um i'm with brandon i think that when you have a moment in a series where the the realization kicks in, oh my goodness, this team is just better than us. That is what happened in game three. And I think that when you have that and then the team is as composed and as hungry as Denver is, as you described, Brandon, you know, first quarter comes out and you're down by seven. You all of a sudden are like, okay, man, it is really over. And then the feeling starts to circulate in the building. The energy starts to build like, wow, tonight is really the night that the season ends. And then, you know, that team is not going to stop shooting threes. They're not going to stop getting out in transition. The, the biggest thing with the Lakers this series has been their transition defense. And I think that a couple of the flaws of the Lakers has been really exposed. If you can get out and run on them, if you can get back on defense, if you can defend without fouling, and if you take care of the basketball, you have a great chance. It's easier said than done, but look at the Nuggets last game. 31 assists, I believe, to five turnovers. Excellent job taking care of the basketball. And then they, they're trying not to foul as much as possible. They're doing a great job in that respect. They're not letting the refs get in their heads, although you know that fourth foul on Jokic was very, very questionable to say the least. Those are the keys to beat the Lakers. No team has been able to do it because you have every time they miss, Anthony Davis is right there for the rebound and the putback. If you have a guy that's great at rebounding like a Jokic, Davis is now behind the play. 
chasing it. And then it's always a fast break and a good look at a three or a layup. And that's kind of what's transpired in this series. It makes me wonder, no dis- no discrediting where the Lakers have gotten. It makes me wonder what would have happened if Steven Adams was healthy. Not not taking anything away from the Lakers, but I really wonder what a healthy Memphis would have looked like. Um, but you can't play that game either. They got to the Western Conference Finals, um, and kudos to them. But I, yeah, I think they fold tonight. I, I would just like to point out that both of you were wrong about the Lakers advancing, about Memphis winning. I was yes. right about the Lakers advancing. I was right about Denver advancing. I was right about the Celtics advancing. I was right about... Well, and my, I, I only gave Miami plug because I just saw how Jimmy Butler was playing and I was just like, that guy is on a mission. So, that being said, that's the reason why I think that the Lakers will win tonight. Um, not the whole series. They're not going to win the West, but they're at least... Score prediction? Score prediction? What's the over on this, on this game? Probably, I have no idea. <laughs> I, is it a 200-point over or something like that. I'm not even here, looking here. at that. Uh, it's 224 over under the score. Oh, 224? Under. Yeah, I'd go under too. I, like maybe 100 to 105 or something like that. Yeah. And let's not forget, Denver has now rattled off five in a row ever since being two and two against the Suns. So they're starting to catch some fire. And I can't believe, by the way, the Lakers are a better team than the Suns. I can't believe they didn't even get two games like the Suns did. And the Suns have no depth. And what what an embarrassment by the Lakers part, by the way. But that also just shows you how great Denver is. Like, I mean, when they're on, they're on. Like, they are fire on all cylinders right now, and they're on a mission. So, sorry. We haven't addressed the two elephants in the room, and they're two giant elephants. Anthony Davis, in this postseason run, has been great. Is he a number one on a title team? I don't think so. And number two, LeBron James has had his moments of greatness. Is he, with his usage rate currently, able to withstand an entire postseason where it's 16 wins required? That is a lot of toll on the human body. And if they're going to play every other day like they were this, this postseason, I don't think LeBron is capable of that either. And will the Lakers actually have the self-awareness to address those needs in the offseason? And I don't even know how you address it. I think you have to expand the roles of Rui and Austin Reeves. But what do you think about that, Brandon? You, do, you, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I mean, I think LeBron's not getting any younger. This is probably going to be the last time we see them this far. I hate to say it. I hope next year's different. Uh, Russell's gone. They're not going to re-sign D'Angelo Russell. I think everyone would have a, the fans would have a fit if that happens. And I think everything happens for a reason. And I mean, it's looking like they might go after Kyrie now. But to answer your question, Austin Reeves, Rui, they're going to match any offer sheet for those guys. I expect their roles to be expanded because they have to be for the Lakers to stay competitive. Whoever they pick up in the offseason to replace D'Angelo Russell, their role has to be ex- expanded because LeBron is old. And yes, he'll get surgery, but he's going to be 39. He cannot be the best player on a championship team anymore. I hate to say it. He can't. Davis can. He just, I, I, I don't, I, maybe he needs some soul searching. Obvious, obviously, some days he looks amazing. Other days he looks terrible. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, he was great last game. They still lost. I don't even think it's on Anthony Davis, Armand, to answer your question. Yeah. And the one thing that the Lakers do maybe better than anybody outside of Miami recently is finding these 
undrafted hidden gems in the draft um, and then developing them as we've seen, even with Rui getting him and then developing him next year, Max Christie, Cole Swider, the 17th overall pick in the draft, whoever they end up getting there, their second round pick. Those guys are going to be crucial because they're not going to have a lot of financial ways of getting better. And to your D'Angelo point, although I don't think that, he should be back with the team. They may have no choice because if you just let him walk, then you you can't really replace him with the, the cap space because they don't have any. So maybe you bring him back and then look for a trade in the future, similar to what uh, the Warriors did with him when they brought him back and then they shipped him for Wiggins. Um, I think that's how it worked out where they, where they kind of kept him for like half a season or, or less than that. Yeah. And then, but they were always exploring a trade. Same with Malik Beasley, by the way, $17 million team option. That could be very useful in a trade uh, attached to a first round pick. So, you know, the Lakers, yes, they need to change things up this off season slightly, but they might have to keep these guys in order to use their salaries, which is which would be ironic, kind of like the Westbrook situation going into this season. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Remember, I mean, I guess Kyrie, but can you afford Reeves and Rui if you get Kyrie? I mean, no, and they need another wing. There's not a lot of wings on the market. Um, Vanderbilt, they have to keep because they're only defender that can guard the perimeter, right? Like <laughs> as bad as he is offensively, you have to keep him. Beasley's gone. Maybe they sign and trade him. Um, maybe a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade. I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you, but that 17th overall pick is going to be very important. I hope they keep it. Knowing them, knowing LeBron, they'll probably trade it though. You think? Wow. I, I feel like we're at the point where, hey, LeBron, Thank you for what you've done, but you're not making decisions for, for our future anymore. And I feel I, maybe I'm wrong on that because they got to the Western Conference Finals. They're close. But I feel like that 17th overall pick is a big piece of their future, especially considering that this draft, you're going to get a good prospect at 17. And we know what you can do with development and stuff. Maybe they do listen to LeBron. Maybe they shop it. You absolutely could be right. I just feel like they're at the point. Jihei, what do you think? Where it's like... LeBron, you, as, as much as you've done for us, the GM role has to kind of stand to the side. We're going to actually use this pick and, and try to think about the future. I mean, I would love that. I think that that would be ideal. I think that that would be in the Lakers' best interest. But I don't think that's how the Lakers roll. I think that they are very much a veteran star forward organization um and everything else by the wayside kind of thing so i i think that they'll still take into consideration what he wants what he needs um i mean remember kobe's last two years they, they paid him and and he and rightfully so i'm not saying that kobe didn't deserve the money but you know i i think that, that this is just that's the mentality of this organization right now and is is more of a star hey arash star arash won't arash won't like this but i don't think kobe did deserve that money toward the end of his career and Arash would probably I, yell at me for that because I know he loves Kobe. And yes, Kobe did amazing things for the Lakers organization. But giving him that contract screwed the Lakers for like seven years. And I think people forget that. And it, I don't want to speak ill of the dead. I'm saying contract-wise because Kobe was not the same player. As great as, as a player he was, he's going to get a statue. That screwed him for years. And I think if they give LeBron full disclosure and, and, and you know uh, power to trade this pick, 
they're going to be screwed for years too because they really need to start getting a guy like Amari Bailey for upside somebody at 17 Jet Howard like uh, Julian Strother from Gonzaga would even fit the build as like a shooter they, they need another shooter they need shooting like I don't think people realize Jordan that. Hawkins Jordan, yeah he's not gonna be available at 17 <laughs> otherwise I would say Jordan Hawkins he's gonna go probably 13th but yeah Jordan Hawkins would be the perfect player alongside LeBron and Reeves you asked me yeah. about Jarek Lively by the way um uh Armand and the, uh, he he might even fit in for that for that as well. Yeah, we'll they need an extra well. big. But yeah, for that role as well. Well, especially you know, helping out out AD on that on that end. Um I again, I just and I'm I'm kind of with you as far as like screwing the Lakers um for those last few years or whatever because they gave Kobe that contract. Um but I mean that that was more of a they knew he was going to retire, he was going to be done. He was it, it was over after that that two years, right? He was going to be um, he was no longer going to be with the Lakers. So I, I think th- that's more of a, like, thank you for your service. Here's your retirement money on top of, you know, kind of status for Kobe. I, but and I, I actually think he deserved it because in the long run, the Lakers organization made, at the end of the day, it still is a business, and the Lakers organization made a lot of money off of Kobe in 20 years, um, not only domestically but internationally. Um, guys, let's chill for now. And before we head to break, I get to talk to some legends and future Hall of Famers on the stand who competed in this past weekend's Huntington AVP, um, including but not excluding Trevor and Taylor Crabb and the Olympic-dominating Phil Dahlhauser. Um, when we come back, guys, here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show, presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Guys, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline at 310-400-0340. Okay, let's go out to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline where I get to talk to Trevor Crabb, Taylor Crabb. Guys from Hawaii, you know who I'm talking about. My boy, Troy Field and Avery Drost and Olympic legend, Phil Dahlhauser. These guys need no introduction, AVP legends. Let's go. I'm here with Taylor Crabb. I'm baller, dude. <laughs> Such a baller. <laughs> Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for taking the time. I know it's really early and it's not exactly ideal weather right <laughs> now, for sure, that we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, I'm just going to go straight into it. Um you're a freaking OG, man. You're like, you've been, you've grown up in this sport. It's your, your it's your world, right? Yeah. So um, how was the transition? I wanted to know um, for 
you naturally because it had to come naturally because you basically were born on the sand um how was the transition from indoor to beach because you did play overseas you did play yeah. you know um on the beach as well growing right. up but how was that transition coming over uh well yeah like you said i i grew up playing beach uh it's really all i've ever done in my life uh plus a couple other sports but you know, during college, I was focusing on indoor, so I wasn't playing much beach, only when I had opportunities uh, sporadically throughout the year. Uh, so when I came back to the beach after I played in France, um, I played in the first qualifier of the year, and I actually lost the first round of the qualifier. Um, but then, you know, with more training, it kind of came back to me, and then I was able to qualify the next three times, and then ended up teaming up with my brother, and we finished third in the Manhattan Beach Open, and kind of skyrocketed my beach career from there. Um, due to want a career, by the way, I not only am South Bay local, I'm also an alumni of Long Beach State as oh, well, there so we go, go Beach, bro. Go Beach. Go Beach. <laughs> um, you could have had your pick to go anywhere mm -hmm. you chose you chose beach which i get it yeah it's a balling it's a baller place if you want to play volleyball indoor it's yeah. the place to go to i want to know what basically made you want to go to long beach state well i actually went to one of their camps as a kid i think i was 15 years old and a lot of the players were the kind of the coaches there and i just love the vibe from all of them and i became closer with sort of the players that were already on the team and then I also knew um, Alan Knipe was the Olympic coach at the time and that he would be returning back to Long Beach for my junior and senior year. And I really wanted that experience to be coached under an Olympic coach. Uh, so that was kind of the selling decision for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to go backwards a little bit before I go forward to the Olympics because I know you're training for that and it's yeah. like gold or bust for you for sure uh, in 2024 in Paris. Um, you talked about you played other sports. Yeah. This show is actually um, broadcasted in your hometown in Hawaii oh, as awesome. well. Yeah, so um, everybody, all your, your boys out there are going <laughs> to be hearing this fo your voice. Um, I wanted to know... Growing up, there's like this rumor that um, Hawaiians they all root for the Lakers. Are you rooting yeah. for the Lakers right now? Are you? Um, are you like, eh? If they win, they win. If not, whatever. <laughs> growing growing up, I didn't really have a team, but now that I'm living here, uh, yeah, I'm just a sports fan, really. You know, I I like LeBron. I appreciate everything he's done in the sport of basketball. I mean, how can he not? He's he's yeah. pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, as I live here, I kind of. I see myself and catch myself kind of cheering for them a little more, more and more. So, you know, if, if they win, great. I'll, I'm super happy for them. If they don't, I mean, it's not the end of my world. Yeah, you basically have, like, no expectations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. That's actually great as a Laker fan as of late just because nobody thought they'd even be here right yeah, now, Yeah, right? exactly. They're, they're turning it on at the right time. No, for sure. Um, I want to switch gears over to your preparation for the 2024 Olympics. I know we're, you know, a year out, but I mean, this is an event, you know, this, this is chance of a lifetime kind of stuff. Right. And unfortunately you got COVID in 2019. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, and that derailed, you know, obviously your chances to go to the Olympics. Um, right. How's the training going right now for it? And um, how are you feeling so far? Yeah, it's going phenomenal. Actually, uh, my partner and I, Obviously, close friends since we were 15. Taylor Sander, another phenomenal indoor player who went to the 2016 and 2021 Olympics for the indoor team. And 
there's nothing more that I'd want to get him a an Olympian spot on the beach side now. No, so for that, sure. That, yeah, that's that's my goal, and I think we can do it. Phil Dahlhauser and his partner Avery. Um, I do. You guys, I just watched you practice, and you are insanely fast. And I don't want to like downplay this or like play this or whatever for your age, um, because we're the same age, by the way. 43? I, I will be 43 at the end of the year. Huh. So I was born also a 1980s baby. So yeah. the fact that I can see you move as quick as you possibly can, um, what is the secret to your Benjamin Buttonness? Well, I think uh, the mind is a powerful thing. So if, if you think you're old, then you're probably going to act old. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So uh, I feel pretty young. I feel good. <laughs> and I keep telling myself that. And uh, I keep feeling good. So no secrets, no tricks of the trade, just mind over matter? I think the mind is a powerful thing. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. the, we still don't know um, functions of the brain, yeah. right, and the things that it could possibly uh, do. Speaking of things that the brain can obviously possibly do, and your bodies are, like, they move again so quickly, like I said before. Um, moving quickly, I mean, everybody switches over, and you guys have obviously switched uh, partnerships multiple times. What brought this collaboration together? Well, I can answer that one. Okay, yeah, go for it. Is I I was uh you know, I was lucky enough in the early part of the season that you know, Phil Phil and I had a chat and he was mentioning that he was interested in playing a few tournaments with different guys throughout the season and um, kind of initially you know lucky for me shook on playing um, a tournament or two um, spread spread throughout the season um, but then you know. Just in, in, in talking some more, there were there were some sponsors who got excited about us playing together. You know, people who were close to me, close to the tour, and and they were eager to see the team play some more together. And um, give them a shout out. And yeah, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, what, what are these sponsors, man? Yeah, of course. We'll, G- give we'll, them a little we'll, other. Wed, Wedbush Securities yep. on my shirt, and my hat here is a financial financial. Um, services company based in based in LA and they're, they're also a sponsor of the AVP tour and um, talk about like a family business that does you know billions of dollars of transactions but it's run like a family you know with some incredibly quality people who just love volleyball and invested in this community and and the invested in the volleyball community and then the communities it touches like the South Bay and LA area where they're where, where they are so they 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 gave a lot of life to this, and then also um, uh, um, Edelson. Edelson PC is a uh, is a really top notch. I mean, one of the greatest, most successful law firms, really in the country right now, doing um, doing a lot of um, class action litigation with uh, privacy lawsuits, um, which are such a big time deal right now in, in in tech privacy violations in tech. So they're they're in that world, and the, the partners in the firm are uh, major supporters of beach volleyball. They actually have a volleyball court in the office in Chicago where they're based. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're big sponsors and supporters of the Chicago event, um, which is it's, uh, one of the best events on the AVP tour for sure. So okay, that's, 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 an, that's another question I wanted to get to you guys and, yeah. um, before we get to the volleyball community, and I think that this sport doesn't get enough due. Um, I wish it was one of the top four because what you guys put your bodies through, what you put out of your mind and everything, and it's a year-round sport. It's not just what we see in the summer, right? But I um, want to talk about that. What is your favorite AVP event or just your favorite volleyball event in general um, that you've gone to, your favorite tour? 
I have a couple uh, favorite ones. Um, obviously, the um, Wimbledon and Beach Volleyball, Manhattan Beach. Um, the Mecca, easy, man. Yep, it's an easy one. But uh, World Tour, uh, we play uh, – well, I don't play the World Tour anymore, but played uh, in a spot called uh, Stad, Switzerland. And it's a little valley in the Alps, and it's like you get off that train, it's like a, you feel like you're in a fairy tale. It's like beautiful. And that one is uh, always – been a, a, a special one for me because I was born in Switzerland and I see my family and so uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty sweet out there. I mean, th this that also, by the way, that Stad um, event wasn't that like the first like for you to win like as an American or something like that in that tournament. I won 07 yeah. World Champs there, yeah, um, which was yeah the first American team to win, and in front of all my family, it was. So sweet. Plus, there they give, uh, if you make the podium, you get these uh, big cowbells. So it's always <laughs> cool uh, to get a trophy, um, just not like, you know, a normal cup right, a normal, or whatever, yeah. but that uh, has something to do with the area. Um, so this is like this big cowbell. Uh, it's probably like, I don't know, a foot wide or so. Um, and uh, it's pretty sweet. Hey, guys, here with a stud. Uh, just finished actually interviewing your brother. Now I got you, my guy, Trevor Crab, a legend on the sand. I wanted to first start with the very beginning of your beach journey. You, your brother, um, legends like the McKibben brothers, um, so many before you, so many after you, so many still. Um, you guys grew up on the court and not just any court, a very famous court called the Baby Court um, out in Hawaii. Um, at the Outrigger Canoe Club. Uh, until I read about this and the history of the baby court, I didn't realize how influential um, it has been for generations of athletes, not only in the volleyball community, but all over the world um, and to other athletes in general. How um, I just wanted to know how the baby court and the Outrigger Canoe Club prepared you for the AVP tour and your overall development as a player. Yeah, I mean, it had everything to do with it. Um, from when I could, you know, barely... Just after barely starting to walk, uh, I was already like bumping a volleyball with my dad. Um, and, you know, as kids, uh, really young, probably like six, seven years old, we would even get together with our friends, go down to the baby court and just mess around. And um, it's such an um, important aspect because just like, you know, as a kid, maybe learning how to play basketball, you're shooting on a lower hoop, right? Um, so this baby court, the net's lower, the court's smaller. We were able to, you know, play almost normal games of volleyball as kids on a lower net um, and prepare us for, you know, moving up to the to the big court or the daddy's court, as we call it at Outrigger. <laughs> yeah, I was heard there's a lot of hazing. I mean, there's hazing in every sport, but there's really a lot of hazing specifically at the baby court because um, you guys got kicked off when like the teenagers came on there, right, to, to go over their court at a certain different time. Um, did you end up, did you bring this tradition down? Is this like a n normal common thing for you guys to bring that kind of tradition down? Yes. I mean, it's, I can remember, you know, I had older cousins and their friends um, always coming down and, you know, if we were playing on their court and they wanted us to move, we would get kicked off. And if we didn't move, then they would physically grab us. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, not, nothing too crazy, but I mean, uh, everyone kind of knew each other and it's a really close, you know, community there. So that respect was kind of um, just shown and kind of, um, you know, 
just was was there without you know saying it and uh, so yeah i think it it you know it toughened us up as kids and got us ready um to you know play with the big dogs later on and i i can't say too much that we've kind of done that to the younger generation just because right now we've kind of moved up to california and ha- haven't been home as much um like once we started playing on the on the, on the pro tour but uh there's a there's a new generation coming up i have a couple smaller younger cousins that are uh in the beach in the scene and the volleyball scene um that are you know they're going to be great players one day and they're kind of holding the fort down at, at outrigger um but yeah i mean there's so much greatness that comes from outrigger and the baby court itself are these cousins going to be better than you because you're pretty freaking boss man <laughs> i mean they they just won the state championship in hawaii so it was pretty cool uh just last week actually so i mean you know I'm, I'm hope maybe one day they'll they'll be uh, as good or not better than me, but hopefully uh, I'll be able to play against them at some point in my career before I retire. And I am with Troy Field. I told you one day I'd get you with a behind a mic, man. I know, right? I'm so excited. We've been talking about it for a long time. We have. I'm uh, happy to be here. Yeah, no, happy that you are here with your beautiful smiley face right there, um, guys. This 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 gentleman has a uh, smile that can melt anything right there that's too kind uh so too uh, kind uh, well you're too sweet too by the way but um again thank you so much for taking the time i know you got to go to practice so i will try to keep this short um even though i haven't seen you in months bro. yeah no i i think it's going to be short but i know it's not <laughs> <It's probably laughs> which is fine yeah we no, know i mean no one's warming up yet we got 30 minutes so. i love it yeah how do you like by the way the um the primaries right because like everybody has to do this eventually but yeah. like all the you know, qualifying and watching all your people play and stuff like that. Cause this community is small. A lot of people don't realize how small the volleyball community is, but it's tiny. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy difficult to be honest. Like these qualifiers, there's so many great teams playing. And I've always said that if you take a main draw team and put it in everybody had to qualify, I think the main draw would look a lot different just because of how difficult, uh, this is, there's so much pressure, it's more mental, you know, you don't have a second chance, so the main draw is uh, double elimination, so you have an opportunity to lose twice, but this is one and done, win or go home, and, you know, I, I did it, I, uh, I played <laughs> many qualifiers, and I think I lost more than I won, I think, <laughs> um, and then thankfully I was able to partner up with Chase Frischman, and he pulled me out of the qualifier, and I've yet to... <laughs> Uh, yet you, to come you've never back. gone back. No, you've I haven't gone back. back. So I'm definitely so thankful when Chase decided to pick me up and he had <laughs> enough points to take me. And thankfully, we've done well enough, so I don't have to play in again. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I don't think that you're um, gonna you're due for a qualifier <laughs> yeah. comeback, man. Um, speaking of that, you actually were a ball boy here. Yes. And I know a lot of people are going to ask you this question over and over. So I apologize ahead no. of time if this is like the twentieth time that you're getting this question. Um, do you? still talk to the people that you know or do they even still exist um the people that you worked with when you were here and how does it feel uh, to be back um, i mean it's not- really really cool to be come back i mean this is the beach that i trained at yeah i got you know i'm from san clemente um and so i lived there for a long time and then i lived in mission viejo and i was driving up here and training so this is this is it. This is definitely closest to home beach, I guess you would say. But yeah, I was a ball boy with a, uh, a actually a kid I coached. He was at Satellite Valley Christian. His name's Spencer Alden. And we, we both loved beach volleyball so much. And so I was just getting into the sport. I really wanted to take a look. And I saw, I was like, all right, well, we could just get us onto the court, wear these yellow shirts and hang out. And 
So it's definitely cool coming back and seeing it. But yeah, being in the main draw, Tim Bomgren, who I played with all of 2019, just did such a good job of always thinking the volunteers after every game, win or loss, we went around and we shook people's hands. And that was the first time I ever saw an athlete do that. And I was like, man, if I was a ball boy, I would have loved if somebody did that to me. You know, you just get recognized as a human, like a, like a human being, yeah. and which everybody wants. But yeah, so after Tim did that, I don't think I've ever played a game. Maybe I had one that I was very frustrated in. Uh, but to pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty much every game, win or, win or lose, I go around and I thank people for their time, whether you know they're raking the court or they're help collecting all the balls. It's definitely been such a blessing, and I know, you know, hopefully you can inspire them maybe one day to play volleyball in the future. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's another thing. Before I get to, you know, volleyball in the future and the movement of the sport, which does not deserve it, an, enough credit by any means, and you know that we've had conversations yeah. about this before, um, you have the most unique story that I've ever heard of. We were sitting yeah. at the bar and yeah. talking about this. Yeah. You have the most unique story about your journey about coming to beach volleyball. Um, so many of these guys, they grew up in the sport, right? This is yeah. like a family thing. It's a family business. For you, it was not that. Um, no. I always say the only good, the only best person to talk about their story is themselves. <laughs> yeah. So can you just speak on, you know, how you got here, what the, what the process was like, um, just your story about how you came to this sport, this wonderful, beautiful sport of beach volleyball. Yeah, it truly is such a fun sport. It's a sport that you could play, you know, until your late ages and mobile, not mobile, um, athletic, not athletic. And that was me playing with a bunch of uh, 50-year-olds, 45-year-olds getting my butt kicked down at Doheny State Beach, which is down in Dana Point. And I fell in love with the sport watching it on TV. I was watching the London Olympics in 2012 and thought, how cool is this sport and our, we had it was like right when I graduated high school so we went to the beach every day and someone had a Wilson volleyball and so we just got to kind of like bump bump it around back when it was still called bump set spike <laughs> and then my personality is I hate to be bad at anything I like absolutely oh, I can totally it. see yeah. that for sure so whether you know it's even like come into like solving Rubik's cubes where I'm like looking it up and having like cheat sheets on like it's so bad um but so I just wanted to get more uh, lessons and kind of just learn the intricacy of the game. All right, guys. Well, that was my interview with Taylor and Trevor Crabb, my boy Troy Field, Avery Drost, and the Olympic legend Phil Dahlhauser, who just goes to show you that father time is not always undefeated. Uh, the man is 43 years old and playing at, still at an elite level. No longer playing on the Olympic level. He's done with that. But still playing at an elite level. Well, guys, if you want to listen to the entire broadcast, the entire all of the interviews with these volleyball legends, go ahead and tune in to the Sports Bar. That is THA Sports Bar. Everywhere you get your podcasts presented by the Sporting Tribune. Until then, guys, this is the Arash Marikazi Show saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.